Ladies and gentlemen, we are live for MMA Sucker Radio. This is MMA fight music producer Mikey Ruckus, and you are listening to another edition of Sucker Radio with your host, Jeremy Brand. Be sure to catch all your mixed martial arts news and interviews and updates at www.mmasucker.com. I can't believe this could happen to me. Plucked from obscurity or whatever I was working to be. But the opportunity presented itself. So I see the door was open. It's the breath of fresh air that I needed. Just an average dude. And now I've become a catalyst. Make connection between fighters and fans. Can you imagine it? I've learned to manage it. Analyst analysis. Study the sport in every point because I'm passionate. I play the advocate and sometimes the antagonist. Building up the hype before a fight. This ain't by accident. In the world of mixed martial arts, I'm the evangelist spreading the news of MMA, the number one candidate. Calibrate levels of greatness, that's when we collaborate. Mikey Ruckus, Jeremy Brandis, we reactivate. Brand creates the show for the fans, and it's magnanimous. Jury's out decision, and yes, it's unanimous. It's the radio, it's the, it's the radio, sucker, sucker radio. It's the radio, it's the, it's the radio, sucker, sucker radio. Hello, suckers. That was a little loud. <laughs> Welcome back to another edition of Sucker Radio here on MMASucker.com. I am your host, as always, Jeremy Brand, and we have an absolutely stacked episode for you today, or this week, I might add. Um, if you keep up with MMASucker.com, then you will know this past weekend, November 29th, was MMASucker.com's fifth anniversary, our fifth birthday. So we figured we'd bring back the man who joined MMA Sucker Radio on our very first episode. Mr. Martin Campman will join us a little later in the show. Also, James Lynch, who writes for Sportsnet.ca, he hosts a couple of different podcasts um, and he is just a wealth full of knowledge in the mixed martial arts game. So I'm happy to have him on the show and he will help me break down UFC 181 as it is fight week. Also on the show, Justin Piero will be, you know, doing his unpopular opinions as always. And he will bring us fight boozing as it is a pay-per-view. It is fight week. He will do his fight booze and he'll give you his best beer, whatever, and uh, check it out. But joining me first will be the man who will take on Anthony Pettis for the UFC Lightweight Championship at UFC 181 in the co-main event. Mr. Gilbert Melendez will be joining me in a few seconds. What I want to talk about right off the hop before we get to him is the big news. The time is now. What time is now? Yes, that's right. The time is now has finally happened. The UFC announced this week that they have partnered up with Reebok to bring us some of the most interesting uniforms in sports. Yes, they are going to be bringing uniforms to the UFC. Fighters will no longer be able to have their own sponsors on fight week. They will have to wear Reebok uniforms. They will be kitted out in Reebok. Do you like this? Do you think it's good? I'm going to chat with all of my guests about this one topic, whether they think it's good, whether they think it's bad, and uh, all the in-betweens about this new uniform deal with the UFC and Reebok. So without further ado, let me get to my first guest. He is Gilbert Melendez right after this. He's set to take on Anthony Pettis for the UFC Lightweight Championship this Saturday night at UFC 181. Please welcome Gilbert Melendez to Sucker Radio. Gil, thanks for joining me today, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Before we get to your training, I'm sure you've been asked this a few times uh, this morning already. I'd like to get your thoughts on the UFC's announcement of the partnership with Reebok and the uniforms. Uh, yesterday, we saw your teammate Nate Diaz tweet a picture of a middle finger. Do you agree with his feelings on this, or, or do you like the idea of everyone wearing the same brand? You know, I haven't really quite made a decision yet. It hasn't sunk in completely. You know, I think it's neat to be professional and all look like, a, you know, the same brand, same team, you know, or, you know, like a professional organization. But at the same time, I I really appreciate all my sponsors, 1-800-Radiators, DC Solar, Echo, and 
and Sally's Body Shop. These people have been supporting me for years, and, you know, I didn't fight the last 15 months, and, you know, they kept the checks coming and really, you know, helped me stay and survive, you know, and uh, I really appreciate all my sponsors. So, uh, you know, um, I still haven't made a decision, you know, and I don't know how I feel. I don't know what the whole Reebok deal is, except uh, that that's all we're going to be wearing. So, um, you know, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough situation, and I have to weigh it all out before I can make a decision. For sure. Do you think a lot of these smaller companies will dwindle out now that this has happened, though? Um, you know, you wonder. You you wonder what will happen. You know, I mean, obviously they're they're not going to be in the octagon at all, or or on our you know on our uniforms. You know, it looks like I'm going to be just wearing a solid Reebok uniform eventually. And and uh, yeah, I mean, it's hard to get value. You know, if you can't you know promote their brand, uh, you know, on that big stage. All right, UFC 181, you'll take on the champ, Anthony Pettis. This fight obviously has been a long time in the making. You coached season 20 of Tough together. Do you wish at all that you hadn't been out of action as long as you were? Yeah, absolutely. I wish I had at least one more fight, but um, it is what it is, and you know it's finally here, and uh, and now I'm okay with it. You know, About five months ago, I was like, dang, I wish I could have you know, fought before. You know, This TV show started airing, but... Uh, you know, it is what it is, and, and now I'm, uh, you know, now it's going to happen, and now I can get the ball rolling after this fight as well. Did you enjoy the process of uh, coaching tough? Uh, you know, I had a great time doing it. It was, uh, you know, the, the ladies were great. They were all professionals and trained hard. Uh, they were passionate at times. Uh, I just didn't like how much, you know, demand there was for the production side, and they kept me really busy for filming it, but I guess that's TV. Now, on the show, you yourself and Anthony didn't scuffle at all. There was no real drama. But lately, he's had a lot to say. Are Are you surprised at all by this? And Because that, he's not usually that outspoken. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not really surprised. You know, I think he needs to say what he has to say to pump himself up, you know. But, uh, you know, I think he's a little over overconfident. And, uh, you know, that, that kind of makes me happy. You know, I, I like that. I like that he thinks that. And, you know, and he's underestimating me. I hope that's all true true talk and uh you know that'll just make uh make my victory that much better and you know getting out of the first round you know uh, you know i'm gonna look at him in the face and let him know he's in for a long night yeah so, so yeah exactly specifically he said in an interview with bloody elbow earlier this week um i think i outclass him in striking like he's a beginner he's still new to striking his wrestling's not strong enough to hold me down once it's on the feet he's in for a long night or maybe a short night how do you really respond to that? Because I personally think your boxing is pretty crisp. Yeah, you know, I feel like I've boxed with some really good guys, and uh, I know how to handle myself in there. And uh, you know, I, I, you know, I've been in the sport for a long time, and I took out a lot of great fighters. You know, and uh, and he's another one. You know, I'm excited to test myself. I think he is a great striker. I think he is a great mixed martial artist. And uh, you know, that's what I that's what I kind of focus on. You know, not focus on what he's kind of saying about me. Just focus on what I need to do to, to be successful. Now, there is a ton of pressure on his shoulders being that he's been out of action for some time. It's his first title defense. Do you feel that that puts way more pressure on him than you, even though you're the challenger? Yeah, I believe he has some pressure. You know, I think he's just adding more pressure on himself, you know, saying all these things he's saying. So, yeah, you know, I'm sure he has some pressure. Maybe that's how he deals with it. Maybe he does better under pressure. Who knows, you know, but... uh yeah, there is, I think, a little pressure for him. I think he gets, uh, you know, he's always, it seems like he's always complaining that he has doubters and, and that, uh, you know, you know, people are always giving him a lot of, a lot of slack for not fighting. So, you know, so, you know he's still like a him against the world type thing. That's kind of what I'm getting for it all. But, uh, but again, I, I just, I really don't care, you know? <laughs> True. There have been a lot of doubters because, this is his first title defense. And that first fight, I mean, it, it the fight against Benson Henderson ended. Or so awkwardly, do you do you agree with that? That he he does have to prove himself. This is sort of a make or break fight. Um, yeah, you know, I, I don't know. You know, maybe maybe he does. You know, uh, again, I'm not too focused on what he's thinking or his whole mindset when it comes to that kind of stuff. You know, just just uh, you know, just more on you know what I got to do to beat him. But yeah, he's, he's he's a different kind of guy. You know what I mean? And uh, you know, when he talks crap on me, I, I just brush it off. So the odds are, are, are not too lopsided. They're fairly close. A lot of fighters love being the underdog, specifically because it does take pressure off yourself. Is, it, is this the case with you? 
Uh, sure, man. There's always pressure, though. I mean, <laughs> you know, I have a lot of. I gotta, I gotta deliver. I gotta win. You know, I just, you know, I just, you know, this. I, I don't. Whatever the media's pressure is, whatever the fans' pressure is, is one thing. But you know, I have my own goals and my expectations of myself, and and uh, you know, and that's pressure alone. You know, and, and I have high hopes. You know, I plan on winning this fight. I genuinely feel like I can beat this guy, and and I will beat this guy. You know, and and that's enough pressure. He has some dynamic striking, uh, obviously the flashiness. I know you're prepared for this. We know, also know you have great boxing. Your ground game is awesome. Your clinch game is good. How would you compare your striking, however, against his? What, what sort of game plan, obviously, without giving things away, do you see yourself going into this? Do you have anyone that emulates that flashiness that he does in, in your training camp? Yeah, I brought in that Kai Hollenbeck and Kevin Ross. You know, Kevin Ross is the Lions, uh, Lions fight, you know, champion, and you know, Kyle Hollenbeck fights in glory. Really good kickers, and the kicks come out of nowhere, and just kind of seeing that range and and seeing that explosiveness with the kick. So, you know, I feel like I'm prepared for that. And uh, but yeah, you know, I'm more of a boxer. I like to get inside the pocket and box. And you know, it is difficult dealing with these kicks that come out of nowhere and and to get that game going. But, uh, you know, he's going to be better from the outside, and I think I'll be better from, you know, the toe-to-toe inside action. So, uh, but, um, but, yeah, he's a great striker. He's definitely a tough striker to deal with. In your mind's eye, how does this fight against Anthony play out? I think it's going to be a grind. You know, I think it's going to go into deep water, deeper rounds. You know, I think uh, we're going to both push the pace, and but I think someone will be finished towards the end, and uh, I think it will be him. You know, I think this fight's going to end in the fourth or fifth round. How do you see the main event playing out? Johnny Hendricks, Robbie Lawler. The first one was great. This one's going to be a slugfest as well. Who are you picking in that one? You know, uh, um, you know, it's going to be a tough one again. You know, I, you know, I'm an old school guy, and I come from the old school days, and I'm a big fan of Robbie Lawler, and uh, you know, he's put a lot of work in the sport, and I like his boxing. I think he's a hard hitter, and and uh, you know, I, you know, that fight was so close last time, but I think he did more damage than anyone in that fight, and uh, so I, you know, I like Robbie in this fight. He is Gilbert Melendez. He fights for the lightweight title against Anthony Pettis this Saturday, December 6th, Mandalay Bay Event Center in Las Vegas. Thanks so much for joining me today, Gil, and, and good luck on Saturday night. All right, thanks, that. The UFC lightweight championship up for grabs. Gilbert Melendez looking to capture the crown from Anthony Pettis. I look forward to this matchup. It's probably my favorite fight on the entire card, even though the main event is Johnny Hendricks versus Robbie Lawler. Uh, Both fights should be fantastic. Both of them have opportunities to be fight of the night. Thank you to Gil for joining me. And coming up right now, we'll chat with Martin, the hitman, Campman, after this. This guy was literally the first ever guest on MMA Sucker Radio almost five years ago. So we figured with our fifth anniversary happening this past weekend, we would welcome him back to the show Please welcome the team alpha male coach, Martin Campman to Sucker Radio. Martin, thanks for taking the time today, man. For sure. Thank you. I feel uh, very honored to be the first guest. And uh, you guys still going strong. Trying to, man. We're trying to. <laughs> so you're in Vegas now with Uriah Faber. Uh, will this Uriah Faber bout be the first time you're the head coach in one of the UFC guys from Alpha Male's Corner? Um... Yeah, I mean, uh, I was cornered Uriah for his last fight too, but then, uh, but um, I just came out for that training camp. I wasn't, I wasn't there full time yet at that time. I just now I'm, I'm out here full time. Moved out to Sacramento in, in the uh, end of the September, so I'd still only been here for uh, some months, but uh, starting to know everybody well, and uh, yeah, I, I like it out there. We got a ton of great guys, and. Uh, Getting working on getting everybody sharp for their fights. We got a bunch of fights coming up too. So, how did that coaching gig um, come into play? I mean, you, I know you trained with them in Sacramento in the past, but what made you decide to to move out there, pack up your things, and and take the coaching gig? Um, I'm I'm doing more uh, coaching now, and um, you know, I, I've been I've been kind of retiring from fighting, and uh, you know, I'd always like to get into coaching, and um, and I knew knew that we're looking for a for a new coach out there, so I hit up Uriah, and I uh, came out to see if we're a good fit, and and um, and uh, I liked it out there, and they liked me, so so uh, we, we uh, started doing the coaching gig out there. 
You said the retirement word there. Is that is that official? You are retired? Ah, uh, semi. I'm still signed with UFC. You know, I'm still <laughs> signed with UFC, but I don't see myself fighting anytime soon. You know, too many injuries. But uh, I'm not a. Uh, I'm a. Uh, yeah. Semi-retired. Yeah. Okay, semi-retired. I still, uh, I'm still signed. I'm sure I can call Joe Silva tomorrow and say I want to fight, and uh, he'll line me up with something. But. Well, I yeah. got a question down the line here that I'm going to ask you about that in a little bit here. But what's the biggest difference you've seen thus far at Team Alpha Male compared to your time in Vegas at Extreme Couture? Um, I think uh, I think Team Alpha Male has a really, you know, we had a, we had a good group of guys too, but I think they're really good at uh, coming out, supporting each other for the fights, and uh, I think. Uh, Everything is uh, it's a little, it's good it's good uh, we had a lot of uh, different coaches that could chores and obviously Alpha Male is the same group of guys I think there's there's a lot of good good things in Alpha Male I I really like being there and um, obviously they have a ton of very talented guys and uh, you know it's it's uh, it's fun to work with guys that that's really good. Yeah, they, I mean, yeah, there's some seriously skilled guys. They got top-ranked fighters in in almost every of the the lighter weight class divisions. We Dwayne Ludwig put a huge mark on on what they've done over the past few years there. How do you plan to continue to push them to be their best? Uh, I'm working more, you know, I see myself more like an MMA coach, so uh, I really try to put a big emphasis on all the stuff that uh, you know, uh with the with the different different aspects of each sport ties together, you know, you know, mixing your wrestling with your your punching and and um, your ground and pound, which is your jiu-jitsu. So it's not just you know strictly jiu-jitsu or strictly striking. I think um, future of MMA is really you know mixing everything together and making everything fluent transitions in between it, and that's what I put put a big emphasis on. And uh, obviously trying to get everybody better and. Uh, make everybody sharp for their fights. Is there someone there that surprised you the most, like, that you've been training with? Oh, there's a bunch of really good guys, you know. We got, um, one guy I really, really think has a ton of potential and is very good is, like, Lance Palmer. He's fighting for the World Series of Fighting at, uh, title, uh, next, next Saturday. And, um, I think, yeah, he's looking really good and, uh, he's a, he's a one guy from up here in uh, British Columbia, Graham Spencer, has been down there training with you guys as well, eh? Yeah, yeah. I've been, uh, I've been. Graham's been down there training, and uh, he's doing good, man. He's a, uh, he's a, uh, he's a good, uh, good asset to have. A good, good, good training partner for all the other guys, and uh, and uh, I look forward to seeing him in action. Now, with this fight at UFC 181, Uriah Faber is taking on Francisco Rivera. As we know, Faber's never lost a non-title bout. But this this fight is against a guy who's who's ranked outside the top 10. Now, for yourself as a coach, how do you get Uriah excited to fight a guy that basically means nothing to him with a victory in terms of the rankings? Yeah, I mean, it's tough. I think, you know, you got to have motivation to fight, and I don't think that's a problem with Uriah. You know, he... he uh... He's a competitor and he wants to uh, he wants to win. But um, obviously, when you're ranked, uh, I think I don't know what he's ranked, but he's ranked probably number two or something. You know, then nothing but but number one is and and then and TJ has his that, that spot. He's, he's their teammate, so that's a uh, kind of a, a problem right there. But um, I think uh, Francisco is a you know he's a dangerous dangerous guy. He, he really comes to comes to to bang and he comes to it hard and he tries to knock your head off and uh, you can't sleep on a guy like that then it's gonna you know not end as well as you want but uh, I think Uriah's got all the tools to beat him and I, I think he should should definitely uh, definitely beat him as, as favorite for a reason yeah for sure as the coach there at Alpha Male what are your thoughts on teammates fighting each other um I'm not a big fan of that you know but I think uh, you know I used to train when I was training couture with, you know, Pyle and Jay and, and those guys, you know, we were in the same weight class. And the good thing about having really good guys in the same weight class is you get a great push in training and, and get, you know, 
somebody can take you out of your comfort zone. And, and uh, you know, I think uh, I wouldn't like to fight any of those guys either because they're my friends and I want to see them. I want to see my friends win their fights just like they want to see me win my fights. But, you know, if, uh, at the end of the day, you know, they beat each other up at the gym. So they could probably beat each other up in a fight too, but have to, uh, you know, make sense and, 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 and make good payday for, you know, at least for me to, 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 to do that and fight any one of my friends. I, I just want to, not only me, but my, my friend to get paid well. So, you know, in order to be worth it, you know, so I'd, I'd definitely prefer not to fight my friends, but I mean, when it's, when it's just a title on the line, that's, it's really up to them and it's something to be, not to look at, but, um, Makes sense, makes sense. Now, this week it was announced that uh, Reebok had partnered with the UFC to have official uniforms in play. This means no Fight Week sponsors are going to be allowed on fighters come July 2015. What are your thoughts on this? Um, Depends. Uh, I mean, I think uh, a lot of guys probably going to lose out on some money, but, uh, you know, I think it, it makes it gives the UFC fights maybe a cleaner look, you know, and stuff like that because it's, you know, same. But I think, you know, I don't know what, what people are going to get paid, so it's hard for me to say. But, uh, I mean, my last couple of fights, I was doing pretty good on sponsors. And I think, and I have a lot of sponsors that, that I, you know, uh, have a good relationship with. So in my case, I think it uh, would be uh, better the old way, like from a financial standpoint. But, um, you know, I can't say until uh, we have the numbers come out and all that stuff. For but sure. I'm definitely, I definitely think it will give it a cleaner look for the UFC. And, you know, at the end of the day, if it's their brand and it's about how they want uh, to represent uh, the fights. Speaking of how it plays out, I sort of wanted to move into this, and, and you did with that comment there. You've become quite the poker player over the last little while. What What got you into the card game? Uh, I've been playing, uh, I've been playing poker a long time. Uh, just, uh, you know, I've always thought it was fun to play. I'm, I'm intrigued by the whole psychological aspect of it, about the math aspect of it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's fun. And, um, of course, it's a lot more fun when you win, but, uh, <laughs> I've had a few uh, good streaks here and there and, uh, keeps me going. Yeah, you you said in the math and all that stuff. It takes a highly skilled mind to be good at poker, and technique is obviously key. So on top of the striking techniques and stuff that you've been teaching the boys in the gym, uh, have you been working on your poker game with them as well? Uh, not so much. You know, uh, me and TJ went and played a, a, a tournament out in, uh, in Reno, but... Um, we didn't really get to work so much on the on the poker skills. I, I gave him a few pointers on how I thought you know he could improve his, uh, his game. He's more a cash game player, and uh, we went out and played a tournament out there. But um, not not I'm not 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 so much other than that. No. Other than training and poker, what what takes up the rest of your spare time in California now that you've moved out there? Well, I got uh, two kids. One is one is three, and the other is about to turn two, so they take plenty of my time. <laughs> For sure. Now, finally, you said you're semi-retired. Um, is there anyone out there in the welterweight division right now that if the UFC had phoned you up or Joe Silva phones you up, that you got this guy next that would bring you out and back itching to get back into the octagon? No, there's no guy in particular. You know that that's not what's keeping me from fighting. You know, I, I have too many injuries. What's keeping me from fighting? So, you know, uh, just, I, I got the itch to fight. Don't. It's not that I don't have that, but I got to watch my health. I got to watch my body. And uh, you know, any fights, just being here at the UFC event and you know, uh, being into the atmosphere. You know, I'm used to coming out as as a, a guy fighting. You know, now I'm here helping dry out, and I I like still being in the game. I enjoy helping dry out. But of course, I, I get the itch too to, to fight, especially when the when the fight starts and the, you know uh, all the build up. But um, there's no guys in particular that uh, I have any beef with, or you know, I'm 
I'm sure this on. I'm sure this Saturday night will will bring the itch out of you as well. Being there live in Vegas, yeah, the main sure. the main event, sure. the welterweight championship. Who do you think wins this one? I mean, it's a rematch for the ages, right? Johnny Hendricks, Robbie Lawler. People have been waiting to see the rematch. Who who do you have your money on? Uh, I don't know. It's a tough one. It's a tough one. I, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to watch the fight. He is the hitman, Martin Campman. He's in Vegas right now with his team alpha male fighter, Uriah Faber. Martin, man, it's been a pleasure. Good luck to yourself and Uriah at UFC 181. And hopefully we see you possibly back in the cage in 2015. Who knows? Thank you. Appreciate the support. Have a good one, buddy. You too, man. Bye. Martin Campman, semi-retired. No one that he will uh, bounce out of retirement for. There's not a name. Too many injuries, he says. Uh, I like his thoughts on all that. I like the fact that he's the head coach down at Alpha Male. He's doing his thing with these guys. He's digging the coaching. Look forward to see what he has done to make Uriah Faber that much better than he already is. So good luck to him and his team this weekend at UFC 181. Without further ado, I will get to James Lynch from Sportsnet.ca up next. My next guest is a journalist over at Sportsnet and the co-host of the Parting Shot podcast as well as Fit for Radio. Please welcome my fellow Canadian James Lynch to Sucker Radio. James, thanks for joining me today, man. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. And you should mention fellow BC boy too. I'm, I'm uh, from the uh, West Coast originally, so uh, we got that in common as well. That we do. It's It's been a long time coming, man. I've meant to have you on the show for quite a while now. Yeah, no, uh, it's great. And, uh, you know, you, you were on my show a little while back, got to tell the whole story of MMA Sucka, and so now I'm, I'm happy to be here to, to return the favor. For sure. Now, since it is your first time on the show, as I mentioned in the intro, you have a bunch going on, so... And, and obviously, as well as your full-time job, why don't you just let our listeners know how you got into the sport of MMA and, and MMA media in general? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've been an MMA fan for a while. Uh, I was one of the late bloomers. I got in actually during the tough season one uh, when the Ultimate Fighter first started. And uh, from there, I just became you know a huge fan, kind of caught up in all the old stuff, watched Pride all the time, uh, really got into it from there. And then it, it you know, I, obviously in my uh, my regular job, I work in television and uh, I started off working at The Score. And then from there, I actually worked at the Fight Network for about three years. And obviously my, my MMA, uh, the love for the sport definitely grew working there. And uh, it was it was a great opportunity. I got to meet some amazing fighters. I got to do a lot of really cool things, go to a lot of cool events and things like that. So that's kind of where it started. And now, basically, uh, fast forward to today, um, I'm working for Sportsnet on the side. Uh, my main job, I actually work for uh, City TV, uh, which Canadian uh, any anyone who's a Canadian is familiar with that network. I, I work on their digital team, so I, I basically handle all the uh, online content, including programming and live streaming for City TV. So that's what I do full time. And then on the side, I, I work for Sportsnet and then uh, also have my podcast, The Parting Shot, that I do with uh, Adam Martin every Sunday. So uh, getting lots of fighters on and things like that. So that's kind of where uh, the journey of James Lynch started. And this is where we are right now. <laughs> so how have you seen MMA media grow since you started in this? I mean, it seems like this day and age, I, MMA suck has been around for five years now, as I mentioned off the hop um, at the intro to the show. It was our five year anniversary this past Saturday. Over the past few years that you've been involved in MMA and the media side of things, how have you seen it grow? Because it seems to me like everyone and their dog either wants to start a mixed martial arts podcast or their own website. How have you seen it grow? I, I describe it as peaks and valleys, to be honest. I, I remember back in 2008 when I started at Fight Network, it seemed like there were a lot more sites, and it also seemed like there was more, um, I guess, what's the word, uh, opportunities and things like that back then. I mean, you look at, at you know the type of programming we had just on the television side. I mean, we had you know uh, MMA Connected, which you know ended up being UFC Central, which is no longer on Sportsnet. And then we had the MMA show on The Score when The Score was still back around. So it seemed like back then, uh, you know, there were a lot of opportunities, and, and we've seen you know things kind of go up and down. Obviously, we have the the Fox deal uh, with the UFC that has created some jobs over there at Fox Sports and things like that. And then on the online side, just kind of pertaining to, to your website, I mean, we've seen some sites survive like yourself. And then we've seen other sites that have kind of just uh, gone by the wayside, kind of like mixed martial arts promotions that have tried to go head to head with the UFC. So kind of the way I describe it is, you know, th there's still going to be room for MMA sites uh, to do their thing, uh, create original content, things like that. But uh, it's a very competitive industry. And we've definitely seen the the 
the smart ones survive and the ones that have, you know, kind of tried to do the same thing as everybody else not survive. And, and I think that's the what you're seeing now. And, and as far as the future, I mean, I don't really know. Uh, you know, MMA, I think a lot of people expected it to kind of be a mainstream sport by now. And I just don't think it's there yet. Although, you know, the announcement with the, uh, the Reebok deal has certainly changed things a bit as far as getting them on the map and things like that. But uh, in general, I just think uh, it, you have to be cautiously optimistic about this industry going forward. All right, let's talk some news. The big news this week was obviously the UFC and Reebok deal that will bring uniforms to the Octagon. There there seem to be so many mixed reviews on this, but to me, the general consensus from what I'm seeing from the fans, it seems like they're against it. Uh, how do you feel about the uniform and, and Reebok and UFC partnering up? Yeah, I have a mixed reaction to this. I'm kind of on the on the fans and and you know media's side in terms of being against this deal because you know obviously we we'd like to see the fighters make as much money as they can, and if the UFC is limiting the amount of sponsors that they can have, well, not even limiting, just c- completely getting rid of uh, you know fighters sponsors and things like that during fight week, during the fight, things like that. Um, it's unfortunate, you know. At, on the same token, though, you know this might be good for some fighters who maybe be aren't good at getting sponsors and and things of that sort, but. Uh, you know, it's it's difficult, Jeremy, because this is an individual sport. We haven't really seen anything like this before. The UFC wants to compare itself to other major sports organizations, but the money is just so much greater in, in those. Uh, you know, you look at the NHL, they, ha- they already have a deal with Reebok, but that's not an individual sport. That's a team sport. So it's a bit different. You know, if you buy a Canucks jersey, you're not just representing a, sp- a particular Canuck. I mean, you could be, re- you know, if it doesn't have a name or number on the back, you could be talking about any Canuck. So that goes to the team. But uh, when it comes to fighters, it's, it's a little bit difficult. I, I'm going to reserve judgment until we kind of see how this plays out. And of course that will take place in July. But, uh, for now I'm, I'm a bit worried because I think what's going to happen is, uh, you're going to see some fighters maybe kind of deter and, and go to another organization because there might be some more money over there. I just can't see a lot of the lower tier fighters getting the type of pay that they want. And I've even heard rumblings even today, not just from, you know, uh, rival promoters, but from actual fighters that they're not happy about this. And, you know, a lot of fighters rely on their own sponsorships to pay for rent and things like that. So it's kind of concerning. But like I said, I'll wait until uh, we kind of see how this all comes together come July. Exactly. That's sort of the way I'm looking at it, too. Obviously, the big stars are going to be making the big bucks. It could really hurt the up and comers. Um, something I mean, there there are cool things that they could do with uniforms. They could, you know, you said it's not a team sport, but they could do things where certain camps wear t- different colors and, and things mm-hmm. like that and play it as a team sport for the different camps. Yeah, exactly. I think that's a great idea. And that's something that would definitely, um, you know, be something that would be enticing for the fighters. But the other thing we have to keep in mind, too, is that what happens when a fighter retires? What happens to their brand? You know, one of the great things about fighters and the fact that they have uh, clothing companies that they're attached to is, you know, we'll even see guys that have retired and you can still, you know, buy their signature shirt that belongs to them. You know, if you do a team thing, that might not work out for them once they retire type thing. So I think for a lot of these guys, they're really starting to see the business side of things. And uh, you know, Reebok will help with that, but it could also hurt them in the sense that they can't make, you know, they can't maximize their profit They're They have a cap as far as how much they can make uh, based off of this deal and also based off the rankings, which I think it was very surprising to hear because, you know, the UFC rankings for the most part, I think we can all kind of agree here. It, it needs a lot of work. And I think to just base it off that is kind of unfair. Definitely is. And, and not only do we have to think about the fighters, but we got to think about the, the, the marketing brands as well like these guys that were sponsors are going to be thrown for a loop and we could see a lot of them fall by the wayside as well yeah, exactly. And, you know, what are their options from, from here on? You know, uh, a lot of people are saying fighters are going to flock to Bellator, but Bellator just cut a bunch of fighters. They're going down to one event a month uh, come 2015 and then four events on Saturdays. So there'll be like maybe a couple months where they'll, they'll have two events, but the majority of the time they're just going to have one event a month. So that's a trimmed roster. And then, you know, World Series of Fighting, we don't really know what's going to happen with them. It seems like they might be in some financial trouble. So that kind of just leaves Titan. And uh, really for a lot of these sponsors, their, their options are limited. It, you know, MMA isn't one what it used to be. We didn't have, you know, we don't have Strike Force. We don't have Dream anymore. You know, these are a lot of organizations that fighters could say, hey, no worries. We can just go over there and make more money. And now, you know, with this Reebok deal, you're limiting the UFC guys. And then even the guys that get cut, they don't have a lot of options either. So it, it's difficult uh, as far as fighters trying to make money outside the UFC. All right, let's talk this weekend. UFC 181, which is the fight card that a lot of people have been waiting for for some time. We had a few, um, 
non uh big cards if you may you know sort mm-hmm. of layment cards uh we have two giant matchups in the main and co-main event which we'll talk about in a bit but let's go over the rest of the card a little bit first i don't think personally i don't think many people are making much of the fact that sergio pettis is actually fighting on mm-hmm. the same card as his bigger brother yeah, and it's weird too that they put him on the Fight Pass uh, card because this is a guy that obviously you just look at his last name, uh, a person that you would think they want to hype up a bit, and maybe the idea was to put the women on the preliminary card and, and kind of you know gain that audience from the Fox Sports audience and things like that. But um, yeah, the the Pettis fight uh, it's definitely going to be interesting. You know, Pettis coming off that loss, so I think it'll be very interesting to see kind of uh, where he goes from here, how impressive he'll look. Uh, a lot of people are, are billing him as a heavy favorite. You just look at the odds right now. He's I think I believe a three to one favorite at this point but uh one thing i look at in this fight is is the reach advantage Uh, matt hobar has got a bit of a reach advantage in this fight so i'm not sure how this one's going to play out but uh definitely pettis is a guy to keep your eye on as uh you know he's going to be fighting on the on the big stage with his brother too which is cool and i think it's a good thing that he will be in his shadows it doesn't put Mm -hmm. that much pressure on him and and do you think he does have the skills to be as good and as big a star as his brother I do. I think that it's just a matter of him developing uh, the same way his brother did too. And, uh, you know, one thing I wonder though is, uh, is he in the right weight class? A lot of people have suggested that maybe a drop down uh, to, to flyweight might actually be a better, uh, better bet for him at this point because, uh, you know, he, he's a guy that is kind of undersized for the division. So, um, you know, I, as long as he's winning fights, as long as he's not losing, I think he's going to stay in the division. But uh, there's definitely talk of him maybe moving down and really thriving and showing off his talent uh, that way. But, uh, I, you know, I, like I said, from what I've seen so far I think he's definitely the real deal now moving up to the Fox Sport 1 prelims it's it's a pretty wicked undercard to say the least Uh, what bout are you looking forward to the most on on this portion of the card Oh, the preliminary card you said. Sorry. Yes. Yes. Oh, uh, got a. Anytime your eye favors fighting, you got to you got to watch that. A, kind of an interesting matchup because Rivera's coming off a loss. Uh, looking forward to that. But uh, one that's kind of uh, flown under the radar is this women's fight, uh, which I'm very interested in. This Ashley Evans Smith, who's making her debut. Uh, very curious to see how she does. She's the favorite right now. Raquel Peddington. Obviously, everyone knows her from the Ultimate Fighter, and she always brings a really good fight. But uh, you know, with the bantamweight division always in need of new contenders and things like that, this Ashley Evans Smith, I, I think could really turn some heads and and perhaps emerge as someone that uh, could be a contender down the line. So I'm actually kind of interested in that one the most. You spoke about Faber. He's taking on Francisco Rivera in an interesting matchup because, you know, Rivera is ranked at number 11. Faber's never lost a non-title bout. Mm -hmm. Do you think this could be one that he's sort of overlooking, though, because Rivera is at 11 in the rankings? Absolutely. And, you know, one thing that a lot of people haven't talked about with Rivera is that, you know, he's got the knockout power and Faber has been knocked out before. You know, granted, it's against, uh, you know, someone like Henan Burrell, but uh, Rivera does have that puncher's chance. And uh, you hope that Faber doesn't overlook him, not just for his sake, but, uh, you know, for the fact that the UFC no doubt wants to make that trilogy matchup with Dominic Cruz down the line. Obviously, Cruz is going to be fighting Dillashaw next, but, uh, you know, Faber can't be overlooking this. Uh, He's got to still be as hungry as he was when he was on his title hunt. He's kind of in a bit of a limbo right now. Now, obviously, with his teammate being the champion, but he's got to take this seriously because, like I said, uh, anytime a guy's got knockout power, you have to be uh, cautious. Speaking of knockout power, the five-fight main card on pay-per-view will be kicked off by Tony Ferguson versus Abel Trujillo. This one is definitely going to be a slugfest. Uh, would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, very curious to see Abel Trujillo. I mean, this was a guy knocked out Jamie Varner, had all the hype in the world, was getting all these big fights and kept getting injured. I mean, he was supposed to fight Bobby Green. He was supposed to fight uh, someone else who I can't remember at the moment. I think it might have been Miles Jury. I can't remember. But, uh, you know, he's a guy that the stock was really high. And, you know, now he's fighting a guy in Tony Ferguson that uh, it's a really tough, tough opposition. Ferguson, obviously a bit more well-rounded. You know, he's got great stand-up. He's got really good ground game, too. So um, I'm, I'm very interested to see how this one plays out. You know, the, the more this fight stays on the feet, you'd have to favor Trujillo. But if Ferguson gets us to the ground, it very well could be, uh, you know, the end of the fight because Trujillo uh, doesn't have the best ground game. I'm very interested to see the next matchup in a heavyweight division. Mm-hmm. Uh, Todd Duffy makes his return to the octagon, taking on the dangerous Anthony Hamilton. Do you think the the layoff for Duffy could hurt him a bit or, or is he just... You know, this guy was billed as sort of a Superman figure when Mm -hmm. he first came into the UFC. And if you look at his record, he's actually only had two wins inside the octagon. 
Yeah, it's a lot of people forget December 29th, 2012 was the last time he fought was at UFC 155. So that's a, that's a very long time. You know, there's two ways of looking at this. You can either say he's going to have ring rust or you can say that maybe he's developed his skills over that time. And, you know, the time in the gym has actually paid off. A lot of people were worried when Kat Zingano was out of the octagon for a while and she came back and had an, an impressive performance. And the same thing with Dominic Cruz. And, you know, maybe Duffy will be the same way. If you look at this fight on paper, Duffy should be the favorite. And he is the favorite for a reason because, you know, he's just more well rounded uh, Hamilton, he's kind of been an up and down guy. Some fights he looks great, other fights not so much. Uh, you know, the, the fight in the MFC against Shamil Rama, the head kick knockout, the highlight reel finish, that's the type of guy that you want to see in this fight. And then there's other fights like against Olenek where, you know, he, he didn't look great at all, got submitted in the first round. So I think if you're looking at this fight from a statistical standpoint, uh, you got to go with Duffy here. I think Duffy's going to get it done. Uh, you know, he's just got some incredible athleticism and, and, you know, you have to always be worried about his knockout power. So I think Duffy, for me, is is my pick. Then where do you put him after this? I mean, he's mm -hmm. he's been so he's had the long layoff. Mm -hmm. If he knocks out this guy Hamilton, which he very well could, he's got to be knocking on the door of the heavyweight division with the fact that it is so bleak at the moment. Yeah, I don't, I don't know who you give him. I mean, assuming he does uh, get through this fight, there's there's lots of options from here on out. Uh, Andre Arlovsky's looking for an opponent. You've got the winner of, uh, you know, Matt Mitrione and Gabriel Gonzaga, where you don't really know where either guy kind of fits in the division. I think those types of fights make sense. There's Roy Nelson, but Nelson's coming off a loss. I don't know if the UFC would want to do that too. But, uh, you know, I don't think he's there yet, but I think he needs kind of that marquee victory because, again, if you look at the guys he's fought, you know, Neil Grove, Philip DeFries, uh, you know, he lost to Overeem in, in Dream. But uh, he, he doesn't really have that signature victory, and I think that's kind of what he needs after this fight, assuming he can get it done. Yeah, another heavyweight matchup is featured on the main card as Travis Brown takes on Brendan Schaub. I'm actually sort of tossed on this one. I, I flip-flop on a daily basis between these two guys. Brown is training with uh, the Glendale Fighting Academy now with Ronda Rousey and that team. Brendan Schaub, you know, he's Brendan Schaub. Mm -hmm. uh, who would you bet on in this fight? Well, for a, if, if I'm a betting guy, I got to go with Travis Brown. I just think, uh, you know, Schaub's been knocked out before. Brown obviously has knockout power. On top of that, he's got the height and reach advantage. So those are some, some things that you have to add in there. But I see a lot of people writing up Brendan Schaub, and I, I don't really get it. You know, he has had those knockout losses, like I mentioned there, to, uh, you know, Ben Rothwell and Roy Nelson. But, uh, you know, I just think he's a guy that if he can neutralize a Brown stand-up and can drag this out, I think he has the potential to win this fight. I mean, Jeremy, you and I saw him fight in Vancouver, not the greatest performance, but I think, you know, he did show that he can neutralize guys and really kind of take control of a fight. And uh, with Brown, you know, all the pressures on him heading into this fight, this is a guy that, you know, won three straight, all by knockout in the first round, was on the fast track to a title shot, was heavily favored against Fabricio Wardoom and looked completely outclassed, uh, losing a decision, got completely battered in that one. So uh, to me, I think Shaw, or I think Brown is going to win this one, but uh, I think people are writing off Shaw a little too easily. I agree with you there. I think the last time we saw Schaub come off a big loss was that one to Rothwell. And, and what did he do? He came out there and he just dragged the guy to the ground, controlled him, and, mm. and you know, pushed the pace. If he's able to get Travis Brown to the ground, then, then Brown could be in trouble. Mm -hmm, exactly. And, that, and that's one thing we haven't really seen tested with Brown too much is his ground game. He's never been submitted. But let's keep in mind here that Schaub's a guy that says, you know, really improved his ground game over the last couple of fights. I mean, that finish he got over Matt Mitrione, I mean, that's not something you, you expect from him. And, uh, you know, he's working with the Gracies uh, out in California yeah. and just uh, really, really honing his skills and th things like that. And the other thing, too, and I talked about this in my article this week on Sportsnet.ca, if you go over there and check that out, um, his striking defense has, has vastly improved in his last couple of fights. So add those things in. If Schaub is able to neutralize Brown, like I said, I think he can pull this one out and I think he can get a decision, too. Reading on Twitter and, and, and Reddit and stuff, the co-main event, there's a lot of people, as you said, counting on uh, counting out Brendan Schaub. There's also a lot of people counting out Gilbert Melendez in the co-main event against Anthony Pettis. I think we're in for a treat in this one, and, I, and I'm super excited to see the return of Anthony Pettis, mm -hmm. but I'm not counting Gilbert Melendez out. <laughs> 
You can. And not only that, the layoff for Pettis too. I mean, that's something that you people have talked about, but it's still a concerning factor heading into a fight against a guy like Melendez, who he's had a bit of a layoff himself. But let's be honest here. I think, uh, you know, Pettis is the one who's had the injury issues. Melendez has just been kind of hanging out, right? So, um, you know, I, I'm still going to pick Pettis in this one. I just think he has more ways to win this fight. Uh, but, you know, Melendez is a tough guy to finish. He's never been finished in his career. Uh, 25 fights, he's only lost by decision. So all these people who I see on my timeline too saying Pettis is going to finish him in the first round. I'm not so sure. I mean, he's fought a lot of tough guys and they haven't been able to finish him. So, you know, if Melendez can weather the storm early on and he can, you know, fight through it, it's his fight to take. I mean, a lot of people thought he won that fight against Benson Henderson. And, you know, to me, he was, you know, the top guy type thing. So if Pettis isn't able to kind of land one of those really good kicks or really hurt him early, Melendez could take over with his cardio and win a decision uh, too. But uh, one thing I think we can count on, I think this fight is going to go the distance. Uh, I, I don't see I see a lot of people picking the finish, but uh, these two guys are really tough, and I, I think uh, that that is probably if you're going to bet this fight, I think bet the fight goes the distance, if anything. Yeah, uh, count, cardio I think could be key in this one as well. With Anthony Pettis being out, we don't know what his gas tank's going to be like after after the long layoff. But Gilbert Melendez is a truck in there, and he definitely can push it all through the five rounds. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and one other thing I'll say too, you know, with this whole Rufus Sport controversy that's happened over the last couple of weeks, is that weighing on Pettis at all? I mean, just even Duke being there is going to be a distraction to a certain degree. So Pettis has got a lot to overcome. And, uh, you know, the pressure is definitely on him too, because, you know, he's the champion. He beat Benson Henderson. Kind of a weird finish for him in that fight. Is he this legit? I mean, we're going to find out. Melendez is as tough as they come. And if he can get a, you know, statement victory over Melendez, I think people have to start putting him in the pound for pound talk. Definitely. Now, one of the most highly anticipated rematches is set for the main event. Johnny Hendricks takes on Robbie Lawler. Let's go back to UFC 171, though. How did you score the first fight? I did score for Johnny Hendricks, uh, but narrowly. I mean, it was one of those fights where if Lawler was announced the winner, I wouldn't have been disappointed. I mean, we're talking inches as far as that decision goes. Um, I, I thought I thought Hendricks did more. I thought he landed more shots. I mean, you know, there were, there were certain points where Hendricks was fading, but I think throughout he landed the more shots. Do you see this one playing out very similar to the first? Because myself, yes, both men have evolved over their careers, but not ultimately since their last outing. That's true. No, I'd, I'd agree with that. I do think it's going to play out similarly, but the one thing I think we'll see more of in this fight is Hendricks's wrestling. And I point to two things. Number one is the fact that he, you know, tore his bicep in the first fight. I mean, we saw it on the countdown. It showed, you know, where he kind of hurt himself. And you saw the fact that he was having a tough time getting takedowns and having a tough time blocking shots. So, you know, you add that in and then you add in the fact that now he's working with Kenny Monday, who of course is a renowned wrestling coach, was with the Black Zillions, now working with Hendricks at Team Takedown. I think you add that in, you know, Lawler is a guy that traditionally has, has uh, you know, not done very well against wrestlers. Even in the Josh Koscheck fight, Koscheck was able to get him down, you know, a couple times. So I think, uh, you know, Hendricks is a much better wrestler. I think that's going to play a factor in this fight, but I do see it going the distance again, and I do see Hendricks having his hand raised. Uh, but again, a very, very close fight. I think we'll see it uh, very similar to the first one. Make your pick for fight of the night. Oh, tough one. Um, you know what? I think it'll probably be the main event only because... I think that these guys will go the distance and I think that fans like a fight that's going to stay on the feet and uh, to me it's it's going to be the main event. I mean there's a lot of other great fights on here uh, you know but I, I think you're going to see a lot more finishes below the, the main event and the co-main event whereas I think the, you know, the main event and the co-main event I think those are your two picks if you had to narrow it down to two I'd say that those are your two that would probably win fight of the night. James it's been a pleasure man. Uh, I'm sure I could definitely chat with you much more, but uh, the time has come to bid farewell. <laughs> mm -hmm. Just let people know where they can get a hold of you in the social media universe and anything you've got going on right now that our listeners would be interested in checking out. Well, first, Jeremy, I want to thank you for having me on the show. Uh, I'd love to be on any time. You know, I always like uh, chatting some MMA. Uh, your listeners can follow me, follow me on Twitter at Lynch on Sports. Uh, follow me. I will talk some MMA. We'll talk about MMA or hockey or whatever you want to talk about. I'm always up for uh, discussing on Twitter, very active on there. Uh, if you head over to sportsnet.ca, you can see my article, like I mentioned, on uh, Travis Brown and Brendan Schaub, how this is a fight of redemption for these guys. I mean, both having disappointing performances in their last fight, so I talk kind of all about that. And uh, Sunday, be sure to check out the part 
Parting Shot podcast with myself and Adam Martin. This weekend, we have two guests. We have Michael Stetz uh, from MMA Mania and the host of Dark Side Radio. We're going to be recapping the UFC 181 card. And also, we're going to have Canadian Ryan Dixon, a guy that you need to keep your eye on. He is a lightweight fighter who's hoping to get a call from the UFC soon. So we're going to talk to him all about that. So uh, stay tuned. And uh, like I said, appreciate you having me on the show, Jeremy. Thanks, James. Uh, enjoy UFC 181 this weekend and all the best with everything you got going on, man. Thanks a lot, man. Thank you to James Lynch for breaking down UFC 181 with myself. Fantastic guest, as always. I know I said that it was his first time on the show. He has actually been on before, my bad. Um, He texted me after the interview there and uh, told me that he had been on before. So I apologize. Sorry, James. Um, We'll round out the show with two segments from Justin Pirro. We have his unpopular opinions and fight boozing. To finish off the episode, I'll be back right after those two segments to sign off. Yo, it's me, Justin Pirro, back for more unpopular opinions here on Sucker Radio at MMASucker.com. So I'm going to jump into the big issue, the elephant in the room, if you will. You remember on Monday how he broke that story about the uniforms for the UFC and made by Reebok? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about here. First off, that whole tying the level of sponsorship money you're going to get from the uniforms to where somebody stands in the media-selected rankings, I am not cool with that. I am not cool with that. I am in full agreement with Jeremy Botter about this. If our decision on the rankings can in any can in any way influence a guy's livelihood, how much money he's taken home, it's not right. Personally, I'd go with the tenure system, you know? Start with X amount. And then for every fight or year, you know, your sponsorship amount goes up. If you get cut and then you come back, you're back to square one. I think that's fair. So if Brock Lesnar comes back, yes, I know, I have, I'm sorry, I'm just using him as an example. Then he's got to start right back at the bottom. But a guy like... Josh Koscheck, who's been in the UFC for what feels like an eternity, would be making some coin. Or a guy like Sammy Stout, you know, he could. I don't think he's actually been cut yet, but uh, you know, he could. He could certainly use that uh, fundage. But uh, as far as Dana White saying that the UFC won't see a cut and all that money that they're going to be making goes to the fighters, well, we'll see. I like the idea of the royalties, sorry, the, you know, 20% royalty for each individual fighter's merchandise. You know, you got one of those swank Felice Herrig little bulldog shirts or whatever. I'm sorry I'm using her, but it's, she's recognizable and she markets herself to the hilt. So she, if she sells a buttload of those t-shirts and she gets 20% of the sales, awesome. I think it's uh, I think it's an interesting way to encourage fighters to better brand themselves. And then maybe we can have something crazy like all the Dustins in the UFC not nicknaming themselves the Diamond. They'll have to come up with something or they'll have to get their buddies to come up with something better. Except for you, Dustin Kimura, because your last name is so badass, you don't need a nickname. However... Let's just remember that if you ever pick your own nickname, it's generally not cool. Look at Hector Lombard and Rory McDonald. Sorry, Rory. You're the Canadian psycho. You gotta live with that. Own it. Moving on. I know a lot of you guys might not know about him, but you should be on the lookout for uh, Michinori Tanaka, who unfortunately got hit. He got uh, popped for uh, something based after his last fight. And uh, apparently, according to someone who's trained with him, uh, MMA Saka's own Roxanne Modafferi, who's fighting on Friday. So you better watch and 
go buy her shirt from Syndicate because, well, we like Roxy and we want to see her make money. Anyways, she was saying that uh, Tanaka's allergy medication contained something that uh, got him busted, but they just weren't able to properly check. And, you know, that's a disappointment. It's a nine-month suspension for Tanaka that's going to derail some of his momentum, And but I hope he can come back for this. Because I think he's got a lot of talent, and I think he can do well in the bantamweight division. And finally, we're getting spoiled this weekend. We got Invicta on Friday with MMA Sucka's own Roxanne Modafferi taking on Andrea KGB Lee, who made a very flashy debut at uh, Invicta 9. And then we got UFC 181 on Saturday. I mean, damn! I mean, you get two title fights. You get Johnny Hendricks versus Robbie Lawler. And, I, you know, that's that's a toss-up, that one. You got Gil Melendez versus Anthony Pettis in a battle of who's got worse ring rust for the UFC lightweight title. And since he's not having spent half that time off for injuries, I'm going to say Gil. But I like Gil. He's the second classiest member of the scrap pack after Jake Shields. Man, seems like a solid dude and a good coach. Next, you got Uriah Faber versus Francisco Rivera. And that's going to be all kinds of fun. And we get to see what work Martin Kempman has been able to put in. So that's going to be great. And, you know, Kempman, uh, of course, another of our guests here tonight. And then it's just, you got, it's a great night. And, you know, it makes me glad I get the fight pass, you know? Because I get to watch Invicta on Friday. Or, and I get to watch all the UFC 181 stuff on Saturday. And I get to see, I'm who knows, we might get another couple of awesome prelims. We might see a couple of fights, like, you know, Paige Van Zandt's debut. Last, sorry, at the last event, the last fight night. She came in and, damn, that girl's got some star power, man. Sorry. But, regardless of all this, it's... Hopefully, the start of a great new year for the UFC. You know, for Catholics, we start the new liturgical year in December with Advent. Hopefully, December can be the advent of a new successful year for the UFC without the injury bug rearing its ugly head every 30 seconds. All right. That's it for me for now. I want to hear your complaints and grievances. Hashtag complaints and grievances at Stormland Brand or on Facebook at facebook.com slash Stormland. Hello again, everybody. It's me, Justin Pirro, here on Sucker Radio at MMASucker.com, bringing you more fight boozing, helping you choose the brews for when you watch the pay-per-views. And so in honor of the UFC lightweight title challenger at the upcoming UFC 181 and Sucker Radio guest El Nino Gilbert Melendez, we're going to California, a hotbed. Uh, craft brewing and we're gonna go with one of the ogs sierra nevada brewery with their torpedo extra ipa now some of you if you listen to other podcasts you may have heard of this if you listen to steve austin's podcast he pimps the shit out of this beer sierra nevada torpedo extra ipa hitting you with a great blend of citrus, pine, and tropical fruit coming from the magnum crystal and citra hops they use. They use magnum and bittering and finishing hops, so you're in good hands there. And something strong. And, of course, they use two-row pale and caramel malts. Now, alcohol content-wise, of course it's going to knock you on your butt. It's 7.2 ABV. So go easy on these if you can. It's good. So you, it's a very drinkable you will be very tempted to drink this one fast, despite it being 65 IBU. It's not enough to give you a bitter beer face or anything, but, you know, it's got some bite. Now, the name Torpedo, 
That comes from Sierra Nevada's patented hop torpedo. It was something that they actually invented early on as a means of uh, controlling how much hop aroma goes into the beer with, uh, while maintaining a stranglehold, a rear naked chokehold, if you will, on the sorry, on any potential additional bitterness when they're dry hopping. So yeah, get one, get two, get three, get four, get five. Depending on how soused you want to get, just don't try and drink them for every round that fight's going to go, because, yeah, you'll be blacked out and you'll miss Hendricks versus Lawler. But, at any rate, Sierra Nevada Torpedo Extra IPA, you should be able to find this at any liquor store. And uh, I'm going to pass this back to Jeremy, so until next time, keep calm and drink on. Thank you to Justin Pirro for his unpopular opinions as always. Prior to UFC pay-per-views, he gives us his fight boozing and his alcohol segment, which I really enjoy, and you should as well. Um, thank you to my guests, Gilbert Melendez, Martin Campman, and James Lynch for making this fifth anniversary show what it was. I really enjoyed it. Um, thank you to you guys. Thank you to the listener for everything for the last five years. Um, follow us on Facebook at MMA Sucka, on Twitter at MMA Sucka. You can follow myself at Jeremy Brand 604 on Twitter. That's about it. Uh, without further ado, as I've said numerous times today, I'm out.